Kayla Bird. Welcome to So Good, the Good Love Company podcast. It is me, Stephanie, your host and leading love and relationship expert and educator. I am the genius behind the Good Love Company brand, and I've helped thousands of women find themselves and find love. So get cozy, grab your favorite beverage, kick back, relax. It's going to be so good. I'm living that high Hello, darling. What's up? How are you? Welcome to another episode of So Good. I'm really glad you're here. Today's topic is a little bit explicit. It is an 18 plus episode. Please be mindful if you have little ears in the background. We are going to be talking about sex, baby. So because there are so many different ways that we can approach this conversation and so many different dialogues, all completely valid and worth having. But for the sake of this broadcast, I'm going to be talking to you about what sex is really about and not from a biological scientific standpoint, but from a behavioral, energetic, and identity point of view. As always, I like to talk about the behavior of choices, and then explain how that manifests energetically in terms of your outward experience. So let's rewind the clock a little bit and go back to, God, let's see, 2002. This was right around the time where I started learning about flirtation and sexual prowess and the power that women can have over men. It was very addictive because remember, I grew up being the chubby weird girl who never had a date ever, didn't have a boyfriend in school ever, and then all of a sudden learned how my body works and learned that I was actually attractive and I took that and ran with it. So I started really getting addicted to male attention. I really started liking how I could manipulate myself to appeal to a man's primal desire. It was very intoxicating. I like to joke that before I was addicted to alcohol, I was addicted to male attention, like paging daddy issues, what's popping, raising my hand. It was an interesting time because Instead of coming from a place of confidence and assuredness, I just wanted someone to like me. So I learned through watching that women who got attention dressed provocatively, they were open about their sexuality, they were willing to do whatever, they wanted to be seen as a down-ass chick. That was the messaging that I got. So obviously, I took it and ran. And after blossoming at the age of 19 and finally losing my virginity, I remember saying to myself, there's no way in fuck that I'm going into my 20s being a virgin. <laughs> talk, talk about healthy, right? So once that proverbial cherry popped, I was off to the races. I loved it. There was something so illicit about the rush of putting on that push-up bra, contouring your titties, putting on the makeup, putting on that perfume, and hitting the club and getting eyes, getting free drinks, the old dance floor makeout. I joke with my girlfriends about how unsafe and actually really dangerous 
our early 20s were. We were very trusting. We would hop into cars with people we just met. We would literally make out on the dance floor. There was something very innocent about it, yet very intentional. And the reason why I'm talking about this is that my promiscuity continued throughout all my 20s. And at that time, I thought it was very empowering. I thought it was the right move. I thought, you know, if men can do it, so can we. I'm in charge. I'm an adult. I actually like this. But if we're getting honest... I was usually drunk every time I had sex. The people that I was laying down with were not really good people. I put myself in extremely dangerous situations. And ultimately, I ended up feeling worse, not better. I never had that story of, we had a one night stand and now we're married. I never had that story of, I gave him head in the truck on our first date, and now he's my boyfriend. That never happened, (laughs) ever. Instead, I was left feeling really confused, really shitty, kind of scummy, and then I would self-medicate to feel better and then do it all over again. So I'm sharing this again because I'm not here to preach anything other than consideration. I want you to consider what I'm presenting. I'm certainly not going to tell you who you can lay in bed with. I am certainly not going to tell you that your sexual choices are something to be judged and shamed for. That's not my intention at all. This is merely to consider. So when we lay down with somebody, we merge at an auric energetic level. Think about it. Your skin, your cells, your bodily fluids are literally enmeshed. You have, if you are a straight woman entertaining heterosexual relationships, you literally have someone inside your body. It's pretty invasive. And yet for some reason, we put our sexuality on you know, a silver platter and, and the highest bidder can just come by and, and grab it no problem. And then we find something exciting and prideful about it. When you sleep with one person, you sleep with all the people that they have also slept with. Now, hold on with me here in terms of this concept. At the end of the day, everything is energy and cells store data. Just like you have cancer cells in your body right now that are completely dormant because nothing is triggering them or affecting them, you have cells from other people that you have been intimate with in your body. If you've ever slept with someone and then had a feeling of like, oh, I don't know. Or if you've ever slept with someone and then had to convince yourself it was okay. Or if you've ever slept with someone that you really didn't want to, but you felt at the time that you were supposed to, you'll usually feel an energetic hangover after being intimate. Because intimate is intimate is intimate. You cannot fight the biological responses of merging your body with another human being. You just, you cannot, you can't skirt that. You can believe what you want to believe, but at the end of the day, the physical act of sex, whether that is penetration, literal intercourse, whether that is foreplay, whether that's just touching or making out, any sexual activity with a partner 
will provide auric enmeshment. But the problem is, is that we see on the TV and the TikToks and all the movies and all the music that not only should women be whopping around, but it's our damn fucking right and we can do what we want. And, you know, all of a sudden we have situations where if anyone disagrees, we are now slut shaming, you name it. There will be people on every single side of the coin. So this is not a debate on female sexuality in terms of use. This is just the idea to consider that you better be careful with who you fuck. So I want to talk a little bit about what this does energetically. And we're going to talk in terms of two pole examples. So when I talk about the poles, I talk about the polarity and the sort of pendulum swing, the back and forth. My work in relationship is usually behavior assessment and then comparing that to the energetic output of the external experience, aka if you're behaving like you don't give a fuck and you can do it too and pussy power, if that's how you behave, then your outward environment, aka your people, places, and things will be a reflection of that. So what I see a lot of women doing is thinking that this super oversexed identity is what's going to get a guy. But that doesn't always happen. And most of the time, it's not the great match. Because when you are in the polarity of hypersexed, you're not actually connecting with grounded, earthly partners. You are running off your sexuality, and that's what people are going to be attracted to. So here's where it gets tricky. People go, well, what the fuck is wrong with that? Why is that wrong? And so it's neither good nor bad. It's not wrong or right. It's just a behavior that will have obvious consequences. There, there will be obvious repercussions. If you decide that it doesn't matter who you sleep with, you don't even know, need to know their name, and it's a, it's a power move for you, then your external world will mirror that in terms of being viewed only good for sex being called at one o'clock in the morning, not being viewed at as wifey material. And we can kick and scream all day long about that, but that's the reality. The reality is if you on the sexuality scale swing into the hypersexed, you will be viewed as a sexual object first. And that's your choice. Again, neither good nor bad, neither right nor wrong, just a behavior. So when I was in my dating bullshit in my 20s, my behavior was, I can do what I want. I'm going to enjoy my sexuality. I am woman, hear me roar, all that shit. I was lying to myself. I was really sad and lonely, and I was just hoping someone would stick. I was just hoping someone would be consistent. And all I knew was that I could consistently fuck. I could consistently bring that head game. I could consistently show him what a wonderful, amazing woman I was, and it would be so his loss if he decided to dump me. But what ended up happening is sex is great and all, but after a few weeks, if you have nothing in common, it is going to fizzle out. Relationships are based on relating, not based on your sex life. The other pole is the opposite of hypersex. So this looks like being really afraid of their own pleasure, really afraid of judgment. This looks like sex with the lights off, not wanting to talk about her pleasure, not wanting to talk about 
this really helps my orgasm, not even knowing how she likes to be pleasured, not knowing how to not fake an orgasm, <laughs> right? We, we tend to see the pull. So we have the hypersexed, running off her sexuality, attracting guys who are just not interested in anything but... And then we tend to see the opposite where it is this really, really heightened insecurity of feminine pleasure and and fear of it. And it's my belief that we've become this way because we've weaponized sex. So we have taken something sacred and magical and we have completely misused it. We take sex and we use it for power manipulation. We take sex and we use it to get things. We take sex and we use it for content. We have been masters at taking something so pure and beautiful and erotic and natural and turned it into a device to manipulate other humans. And I'm speaking so bluntly because I've been on both sides of the coin. My entire 10-year dating fiasco was blackout sex. I don't even remember half of the people's names I don't even remember half of what happened. And I've been on the other side where I've been in a healthy, happy, hot relationship with, you know, sex a few times a month that's outstanding and passionate and phenomenal. So I know what it's like to be coming from both sides of the spectrum. And of course, for the context of this broadcast, yes, there are people in the middle. Yes, there are people that run on their sexuality but are not as quote-unquote extreme as somebody else. There's always an outlier. There's always an exception. (laughs) Forever and ever, amen. But for the sake of this talk, I really just want to give you a better alternative, a better way to think about sex. Sex is one of the most beautiful, natural, fantastic gifts that the human experience comes with. So when we decide to incarnate into 3D, right? When we decide in a different lifetime or another ether that, okay, I'm ready to master the things I didn't get in the last lifetime and I'm here to, you know, explore this, this, and this. I would like to be incarnated into earth space at this time to these parents and I want to go through this, this, and this. Cool? Awesome. So before we come earth side, there are lots of karmic plans and contracts. And one of the amazing aspects of human life is the fact that we can be intimate sexually with somebody else. The fact that we can create human life. The fact that we can experience levels and waves of pleasure that are almost inconceivable. The fact that we can get kissed passionately by someone we're so attracted to and immediately feel our body respond. That's incredible. And my consideration is to bring it back to that. So the concept of sacred sex is something that I teach about in Heart Healers and any private container. If you work with me, you will learn about sacred sex. And it's this idea that instead of demonizing hypersexuality or demonizing fear of pleasure, right? The two poles of extreme. What if we just came back to the mystery and the sacred sanctity that is pleasure and that is sex? The fact that you are able to have sex for pleasure and able to have sex for recreation is insane. Have you ever stopped to think about the fact that if you are a woman, you hold the power 
to be able to continue life. You hold the power to radiate an orgasmic bliss. You have the power to be able to grow a human in your body and nourish them. It's fucking incredible. And so my suggestion is to start respecting it. Let's actually start respecting what sex is. And again, this is not to say that there wasn't a time in your life where that amazing threesome was the best memory ever. Hi, raising my hand again. Or that time where you had sex with a woman in Vegas and it was incredible. Hi, me again, raising my hand. You're allowed to enjoy sex. You're allowed to experiment. You actually should. In order to know what you like and don't like, you need to play around. There are things that I really personally enjoy sexually that may not have been true before I was in love with someone who loved and respected me. There's a lot of sexual shit that I tolerated because I did not have the sense of worth and esteem that I do today. We need the contrast. We need to learn, okay, this is all right, this isn't, and can I allow myself to have that be my non-negotiable boundary? Sacred sex also talks about the idea that we never, never, never use sex as a power move against somebody else. So what does this look like? It looks like withholding sex as a form of punishment. It looks like using sex as a means to get something. It looks like teasing your partner or making crude comments. Anything that will slash and degrade what sex really is, which is a blissed out experience that humans get to have. It really can be that simple. When we take sex and we use it as a weapon, so for example, your partner doesn't do something that you want him to, and instead of having an open communication about expectations and you know yada yada, you then go, okay, well, he's not getting any tonight. So brutal. What an absolute degradation. Awful. And it's so, it sucks because the women who do this, they just haven't learned how to talk to their partners and that's a different episode. But for the sake of sacred sex, I would love for you to consider the idea of really leaning back into the mystery and the beauty that is pleasure and sexuality. It is not a, a tool to hurt somebody with. And the other part is the concept that you also have the right to not be hurt by sex. So you don't get to have sex when you don't want to. You don't have to do shit you don't want to do. You don't need to do acts that you don't personally want to do. It's very okay. Your job is to communicate that explicitly to your partner. And if you don't have a partner, your job is to figure out what you like and don't like so that when you become in a relationship, the conversation will be super easy. I also like to talk about sacred sex in terms of dating where, you know, people say, what are you, what are your thoughts on the 30 day rule or the 90 day rule or this rule or that rule? And I, I laugh because situations are completely different. It's not the same as 1995 when people would leave their house to go to their work and then, you know, go out for dinner and then live their life and meet people. It's very different. A lot of the rules, a lot of those books were written in a society that was not on social media or in a fucking pandemic or, you know, living on the internet. So I want to really give you permission to discard outdated rules and concepts. What I tell clients is, would you want to sleep with that person? And it sounds very simple. And then I say, okay, would you want to be that person? 
a little bit harder. So we could want to have sex with someone that we're attracted to. We could want to be a little smiley at the local lounge and have this really great connection and have this sexy thought come up. That's great. But do you want to be this person? It's a loaded question. And the reason why it's important is because we merge with everyone we have sex with. So the hot guy that's being witty and flirty with you that you've known for 30 seconds, he might be attractive. Your body might physically respond to them, but you don't know shit about them. (laughs) You don't know anything. So how can you then jump into bed, into the most vulnerable, into the most raw and pure and just insane to think that we can do that with someone that we just we just met a moment ago. Insane. And again, this is coming from the girl who did that for sport. So do you want to have sex with this guy? And would you want to be this guy? If it's a little too abstract a question, you can ask yourself, is this person worthy enough to be in my bed? If I woke up and this person was in my sheets, how would I feel about myself? Am I having sex with this person to get something out of it, to prove something, to be something? Is the act of this something that I truly desire or am I numbed out, intoxicated, on something, fucked up? We want to ask ourselves these questions because the act of asking can oftentimes break that trance of chemical attraction and can really bring you back into the reality that this is a decision. This is a choice. A few more questions to consider before I leave a final thought. Can I bring up STDs with this person? Can I talk about condoms with this person? Can I talk about kinks, turn-ons, and turn-offs with this person? Could I be laying down and tell this person a little bit to the left, softer strokes, bite my nipples. Can you say that to the person that you want to have sex with? These are all clues and indicators of the vulnerable level in your relationship. So when I was in my 20s and drinking and dating and just banging anyone who would look at me, I would never have the nerve to ask myself these questions because it would completely reveal to me that I was using sex as a drug. I was looking for external validation. I was looking to be chosen and I was looking to numb out and escape my body and my life. And I know that this isn't the case for everyone, but if you have had a rough go in love, if you've had, you know, these, these rocky ass relationships with mismatched guys, or you feel like, I don't under, I don't understand, like, I don't get it. This might be something to consider. The person that we give our body to will stay with us at a cellular energetic auric level forever. So I'm not saying that everyone needs to run out and get a chastity belt and lock their doors and just become hermit nuns. I'm not saying that at all. It's more about can we start respecting sex instead of treating it like a trash bag? Can we start looking at sexual partners as an extension of ourself and our womanly gift? Can you ask people that you're intimate with these questions? Can you actually sit down? Sex for adults and adults need to have conversations. If you are unable to have an open, honest communication about sex, then you are not with the right partner or you have not been together long enough to even consider having sex. 
in terms of the rules, the 90-day, 30-day, the answer is ultimately, what's the energy like? What's the truth of your situation? When I met my partner, we worked together. And then our first like hangout was a Sunday. And then I went over to his house again to hang out on the Monday. I think I stayed at my house on the Tuesday. Then I went back over on the Wednesday. And then that Thursday night, we hooked up. So sure, one could say that was quick, but we also worked together and we saw each other almost every single day. So if you take that equation and break it down into traditional dating of, let's say, texting a bit and then dating once a week, we were dating for about a month before we had sex in terms of timeline. That's why I don't have a hard and fast rule about the specific date, like 30 days, 90 days. It's it's about the integrity and strength of your relationship. It's about the bond. Are there people who you know, met someone and looked across the room and they went home and had a one night stand and they're married with kids. Of course, sure. Was it my situation? No. Do I think it happens often? Not really. I think most of the time women feel really disappointed and that can turn inward into anger and resentment. And that usually comes out in a form of, fuck him, I do what I want. Fuck it, his loss. I'm back out there. We back. And the cycle repeats. So your homework, should you choose to accept it, is to take out a piece of paper, set a timer for 10 minutes, and just ask yourself this, how do I really feel about my sex life? Then, how do I really feel about sex? And then lastly, is my sex life an accurate representation of the love life that I want? So there you have it, folks. I would love to know what you think about this episode. I'd love to know how you felt about the questions. I'm always open for a conversation. DM me on Instagram at goodloveco. You know where to find me. This episode was a little bit tough to share. I shared a couple things that not everyone knows, that I was a hypersexed, promiscuous, blackout, (laughs) bit of a slut. Totally was. You know, and I, I have no problem saying that because that's that was very true for me at the time. I was very willing to give myself to anybody. And it's taken a few years to really heal from that. If you want a part two on this in terms of healing your sexuality and then transmuting it into healthy sacred sex, let me know and I will do a part two for you. But really at the end of the day, your sex life is yours. You've had your sex since the day you came here and it's always a journey getting to know your body getting to know your pleasure allowance of it is a lifelong journey especially for women and just please know that at the end of the day you are worthy of being treated so well you are worthy you are more than your fucking pussy you are more than that ass you are more than your head game you are more than witty ass texts that don't go anywhere you are worth more than a 1 a.m. What are you doing? I'm telling you, the only way that you are going to see this shift is by starting to really understand, like, who am I laying down with? Who gets this access? It is such a privilege to come into your house, climb into your sheets, take your shirt off, caress your hair, touch your lips, touch your face. Who is doing that to you? Who are you allowing for that to happen? That is a gift. That is a pleasure. That is yours. 
And you have every right to nourish it and make sure that it's also nourished. All right, my lovelies, I hope you enjoyed this episode. So good. I will talk to you guys soon. All right, lovebirds, there you have it. I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed that little pocket of time we spent together. It means the world to me. If this episode landed, if you felt like you got some mic drops, I'd love to know in the comments. Feel free to leave a five-star review as well. That always feels good. And if you know anyone who would benefit from listening to this, send her my way. Today's episode was so good, and I'll see you next time. I'm living that high.